Welcome to the new Hey Matters podcast presented by Feed Central. I'm your host, John Paul Driver, and today I'm joined by Tim Ford, owner of Feed Central. Welcome, Tim. Uh, John Paul, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. It's good to get something new started here. Yeah, it's terrific. I'm excited. We're sitting here. You're on uh, you're at, you're at what's in nighttime. I'm in the morning time, and we're yeah. sitting here doing something pretty cool. So it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit of fun, I think. International Hay Collaboration. Yeah, that's cool. That is good. That's good. That's fun. Now, we met, would have been July of 2023, when you came to the States. And what were you here doing? Uh, well, the big purpose of the trip was to uh, catch up with our uh, our partners in feed testing, Dairy One. Um, but I made sure that I had a few other things on the itinerary and I had a few days spare. I wanted to go and see, meet the guys at Anderson's in Ellensburg, very large hay exporters, probably one of the largest, if not the largest hay business in the world. Among the largest hay businesses in the world, for sure. Yeah. So I had contact with them over a decade or so on and off, and I was pretty keen to catch up with um, whoever was about. And I had a meeting organized and so had uh, sort of flown into um, Seattle out of um, Los Angeles, had the weekend in Seattle and got pretty sick of that. And um, (laughs) and so I I needed to get to the country as fast as possible. So I had a in Seattle and headed out. I ended up being in uh, Ellensburg. What's that? A couple of about two or three hours. Uh, an hour and a half. East, two hours. Yeah. Hour and a half. Well, hour and a half. Of, well, in Australia, we takes ages to get anywhere. So, so I gave my. I thought it was going to take like half a day, but anyway, I ended up in Ellensburg about eight o'clock in the morning, and so that meant I was about a day and a half early for my meeting, which had never happened before. Yeah, so standing outside, Ellensburg's a little town really on yeah. US, even US standards, even even Australian standards. It's not um, big. Ellensburg's no. not a big town. Like one one traffic, one set of traffic lights, maybe two sets of traffic yeah, lights. Yeah, there's a couple Ellensburg. of sets of traffic lights, but no, not a lot. Yeah, so probably not even a McDonald's, I don't think, in Ellensburg. Uh, because it's not, now, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but it, it's, um, uh, it's not big. So end up in Ellensburg, standing outside the Windrow Hotel, which is where I thought I might get accommodation for the night. I thought it's pretty pretty appropriate. So Ellensburg's a big hay town. Like you're right in the middle of the hay country in the, in the US. It probably has the highest concentration of hay anywhere in the world. Yeah, most likely, yes. And so I'm standing there outside the Windrow Hotel thinking I'd check in, but then I realized it's like 8 o'clock in the morning and I've got like a day and a half to fill in. So I get onto your Facebook group, um, hey Kings and the Facebook group that you that you founded. I type just sort of basically say I'm a uh, boy from down under that's once that's got a couple of hours to fill in 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 uh, Ellensburg, and nobody re- really responded. But you you did respond, and <laughs> uh, and I thought yeah. So and then one thing led to another. I looked at where you were because you said you were from uh, up near Newport. I looked at Newport and that was like a pretty big drive away. It was like and four so hours. Thought, oh. Yeah, it's a, it, it was a drive. So I thought I. <laughs> Go get a cup of coffee and then see who else responds. So I go get the cup of coffee and nobody else has responded. So I said, oh, what the heck? I just better get in the car and drive to Newport. So New, Newport's uh, up near Spokane, which is basically right up on the northern, sort of on your way to Canada. If you're going to Canada the back way, I'd say you'd go through go through Newport. Is that oh, right? yeah. No, no, no. Everybody from Canada that comes to Spokane, that's that's one of the routes that they take. It's yeah. on the way. So I, I always joke that I'm from South Canada. I do live farther north than most Canadians because I'm just yeah. at the 49th parallel. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you uh, we 
uh, sat up there on your veranda for a few hours and and just talked hay. Realised that uh, you know that you're totally passionate about the industry, had invested your life into it. You're investing in it every day of the week, uh, similar to me. And so I suppose we realised that we had a fair bit in common. And yeah, so we sort of spent a few hours up there on your veranda, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my hay equipment was out in the field making hay at the time and it was the only like i think we talked for two hours good grief just drinking tea at the height of our summer pretty mild conditions wouldn't you say maybe no that was a hot day oh was it maybe maybe it was a hot day 37 celsius or something uh but for them that's as hot as it gets for us but for the middle of the hay season you had you had it all under control that day and uh, everything was going good I think that meant you had your wife out on the bailer, so she must she be was. a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I believe the words you said were, "Wow, you married well." <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> because so. in fact I my wife so. was on the bailer. Yes, and then of course um, we invited you out to the uh, uh, the Australian Photo Industry Association conference, which was in August, and uh, and that was uh, that was a hit. I think um, with your contribution, that that conference really came alive this year. And then we had a, uh, a tour across uh, and met uh, quite a number of our growers across the southern part of Australia. And uh, I think we probably introduced you, and you probably saw a fair bit of the country travelling through the Mallee and across to the southeast of South Australia, and then the northern agricultural districts of South Australia. So I think you know we are a great opportunity for me to catch up with uh, some of our growers, and you know um, hopefully we gave you a good look at production here in Australia as well. Ah, what a wonderful experience getting to tour around a lot of Victoria. Actually, I think I saw the bulk of Victoria, then over into South Australia. I mean, just a lot of. A lot of very large, sophisticated farms. It was wonderful, a wonderful time. Yeah. Now, it's supposed to be you interviewing me because uh, you're supposed to be running these podcasts. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I will ask you one question if that's okay. Sure. I suppose we always looking at the negative, especially us Aussies, we're sort of always looking at what's going wrong. Um, but you had a, uh, a fly-in, uh, fly-out tour of the Australian hay industry, what did you see that we're doing really well? Like, let's be positive um, and, you know, what did you see that we're doing really well over here? I saw some very sophisticated management in a way that doesn't necessarily exist. It does It does exist in the States, but not in every operation that we went to was large, sophisticated, and maybe that has to do with your customer base as well. But at the same time, there's a lot of really large operations that are very, very efficient. And I think a lot of that efficiency is is driven by, uh, I mean, we can have discussions around crop insurance and those kind of things all day long, but I think the lack of subsidies makes an industry tougher and more durable. Yeah. And, and aside from some tax incentives on sheds, it's pretty absent on, on subsidies, right? Pretty much. I mean, there has been some uh, some tax incentives around sheds, and following COVID, there was um, our sure some stimulus and things like that. Some stimulus and invested heavily in machinery, and you were, I think, one of those places we went to there in the Southern Mallee had a shed full of brand new machinery, and it was a large shed, and it was standing room only in that shed, and it was all brand new equipment. Um, so yeah, there's been a big investment that's a that's a tax break as opposed to a stimulus and that was across the whole economy um not not specific to the farming sector so yeah basically our our growers are operating um without 
in subsidies to to any extent at all, and also the drought, you know, drought flood cycle that we have in Australia. I think that really builds resilient resilient growers. You know, a resilient a resilient sector. That's yeah. the perfect word is that resiliency, and you can just see that it's there. I didn't see a lot of old dilapidated equipment, and and it wasn't just the farms that we visited. I had my face glued to the window as we were driving everywhere. It seems fairly successful, and I know that there's challenging times. That's just how agriculture works. But I, I just saw a lot of resiliency and and a lot of good going farms. Yeah, really motivated, resilient. Um, and I think that's pretty typical of our sector at the moment. There's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of hard times over the last uh, twenty or thirty years. You know, maybe in the future we'll look back and say that these that you know what we're in right now is is you know um, you know better times. And but that's due to enormous amount of hard work, enormous amount of consolidation within the agricultural sector, lots and lots and lots of investment, millions and millions of dollars of investment. Absolutely. And it's so so pleasing. You know, I'm probably midway through my career now. And it's so pleasing to see that, you know, in the beginning of my career, so many, so much of the sector was doing it really, really tough and investment was really difficult. The young people weren't coming home and it's just so rewarding to see that's not, that's not necessarily the case in all cases anymore. I did see a lot of younger guys on those farms. That's a good, good sign in agriculture. Yeah, that's a relatively new thing. We haven't, you know, seen that. I've seen that last five years in particular. That's really been ramping up. And you got to remember too, a lot of those young guys, they've been off to university, not all of them, but a lot of them, almost all of them have been off somewhere before they've come home. So they've been, they've got a trade. And they're bringing uh, a skill set you know, back to that farm. Ah, it's such, yeah. such a healthy thing for agriculture. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it could be a university degree, it could be a trade, but a uh, skill set and experience back to that farm. So I think yeah, that you drive around and do the tour that we did and you can see that Australian Australian ag is really well set up for the next uh, for the next for the next decade or two so it's it's really really good the last thought I'll uh, share is the efficiency that I saw yeah we're talking about a lot of new equipment but relative to the number of acres being farmed it wasn't what I would have thought the equipment complement should have been and that's just my American perspective I I was looking at the equipment complement for some of these you know two to five thousand acre farms and I would have expected maybe two more swathers and another tractor with a rake and maybe maybe two more balers. That's what it would take in the States to get it done. So I don't think we have I don't think we have the labor for that. We've just got, you know, the the far you know, basically right. still father and, and a couple of young, you know, sons, daughters working on those farms. It's just probably not the labor units to put behind all that gear and, yeah. you know, and they just, just don't need it. Just, just getting the job done without it. Lean and what I perceive to be relatively low-cost production. And I and I know that I'm going to be careful as I say that because I know anything that you yep. buy and import is exceptionally expensive. And maybe that's another one of those drivers that makes those farms so lean on equipment. But I think that that's good and healthy too. Well, John Paul, it was an absolute pleasure um, taking you for a tour around Australia. And um, I know I learn a lot from it. I know our growers learn a lot from it. And uh, it was just a great, it was a great, what was it? 
10 days, including the conference. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was just a terrific. Oh, what a wonderful know, Probably trip. a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks all up um, because you came to our head office here in Toowoomba as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, uh, and I know our, our team enjoyed it, our clients enjoyed it, felt as though we had positive impact across the industry um, during that time. So thank you for <laughs> your contribution to that and coming to the land down under. And thank you because I I got to meet your team and now that I'm working with Feed Central on this podcast, it's it's really nice to know and have met the people that I'm working with. Uh, just so wonderful. In coming episodes, you'll talk to other team members about what's going on in the market, what's going on in uh, hay production, hay market here in Australia. So because you've met our team and you've had a great tour across the country and so forth, I think you're the ideal guy to to be able to uh, tap in and give a little bit broader view from an international perspective but hone into what's going on here in Australia Absolutely. via our team. So it's sort of the perfect um, the perfect opportunity to pull all, that, pull all of that together in the in the podcasts that we uh, that we roll out over the next uh, over the next few months. Now to put a, a really fine point on that, this podcast is primarily going to be market based. That's what our focus is. And sometimes that's going to be talking about production techniques or feed sampling, I'd imagine we'll get to have those conversations. But there's market components to all of those things. Yeah, this podcast, the, the thread that will tie all our podcasts together will be the, the pointy end of the market. So yeah, in this podcast, uh, in the series that we present over the next few months, um, it, the, the underlying theme will be what's going on in the in the market. Um we, we love being part of the fodder market here in Australia um, and this is just a, a new um, new way of presenting the market information that we come across in our day-to-day jobs. Be focusing on touching on quality and talking about quality issues, talking about rainfall, talking about rainfall events. Um, it'll all be tied into that with what impact all of that's having on the on the hay market and, you know, for, for both buyers and sellers of, of hay and fodder. Absolutely. Let's do some of that. Let's... Okay, let's go. Market changes. When I yep. was there, the talk was El Nino. Oh, you guys got me saying it. El Nino. <laughs> In Spanish, they pronounce it with a nya over the N, El Nino. Yeah, no, you got to add the Australian accent. It's an El Nino, mate. I, I just, you, know, you, you might you might hear me say it both ways at this point. But it was La Ni- uh, sorry, El Nino, El Nino, El Nino the whole time that I was there. And then all of yeah. a sudden... There's a change in the discussion. So when you were here, when you were here, that that really dry period was really we're really into that really dry period, especially in northern in the northern part of the country, um, between that uh, you know June to end of October, middle of November, uh, and we we and during that time, large parts of northern New Central New South Wales, northern New South Wales, Queensland, and Western Australia all had some of their dry, you know, official records are saying driest ever. There was a driest three month ever during that period. So it was sort of a really, now some people are still feeling it dry, um, but so it was a really, sh- if the drought has finished, it was a um, it was a really short, sharp drought by our standards, but it was very sharp. And now? Well, now the, it, the situation's totally changed, yeah. So my perception here, the areas that we toured in Victoria and, and South Australia, they had adequate moisture to produce a, a, a fairly nice crop. And then there was an early window where they could harvest and they were able to put up nice hay. And then it's been wetter with frequent rains. Yeah, yeah. So all of the early hay 
um, got made with very limited weather damage. And so the majority of the hay made in Australia, uh, especially across the big hay growing districts of, you know, uh, southern New South Wales, Victoria and South Australia have made really, you know, top, top quality hay. And, you know, they had a dry finish as well, which really brought the feed testing up. So we're seeing really high feed testing hay and really high visual quality uh, have both come together for the 20. for the 2023 season. Some of the last final stuff, some of the late stuff did get a bit of weather damage, um, but the majority of it has been really good quality for, for 2023. And then the last question around the 2023 crop in my mind is that storage component because it got... Do we have to talk about that? It got wet, right? Yep, yeah. So if we're talking about outside stacks that were uncovered, it's a sad story yeah right so the queensland and the majority of the new south wales product got uh cut bailed and sold off the paddock before the rain started so there's very limited supply of any winter cereal hay in you know really north of dubbo um through any through 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 anywhere so so there's the the paddock there is no product stacked in paddocks there is no product stacked in sheds so that's really we don't really need to talk about that roughly south of dubbo we didn't actually get through dubbo on your trip but it's you know center of new south wales south uh and across to south australia uh there's been that area doesn't usually get very much summer rain They, they they can get some summer rain but they sh- this year they've been having a real Queensland style summer with frequent storms and quite extensive storms and humid weather. Those guys down there can often get away with stacking product outside uncovered or tarps or hay caps uh, for a number of months. So they'd normally get away with that being stacked outside through until March. It's not something that we promote, but it is a common practice. Uh, and then on occasion, some of that product would get carried through outside through winter and, you know, soft, gentle rain, it doesn't, you know, you might lose the top bales, but generally the, the quality's good. This year that outside sack strategy has come unstuck. I think our system is probably representative, is a really rough representation of the industry. A third of the product listed on our website, on our consignment-based web listing system, is outside stacked. And so our team are in the process now of going through each and every one of those, talking and communicating with every grower and getting those reviewed. And it is our expectation that the majority of that product, so a third of our listings, will come off as being unsaleable through the Feed Central system. Now you're, talk- um, you're talking about 100 mils of rain on an outside stack, right? Like or more. Some guys have had a hundred mil in one event, oh. uh, and and they might have had you know generally there's sort of been a fifty mil to a three hundred mil rainfall event, rain a combined fifty to three hundred mils over that summer period through areas where these outside stacks are, and so yeah, subsequently there's you know there's yeah there's about a third. We're estimating a third of the product um, that that's 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 not going to be available for for sale. Um, I will just add that with that, probably not for sale through our system, from farmer to farmer, neighbour to neighbour, where they can come and inspect every bale and, and draft, I call it drafting, you know, draft the bales as they're being loaded, you know, that that might be work. So, so you know, not all hope is being lost. You know, the farmers can work to salvage 
to salvage what they can out of that. To keep it all in perspective, I mean, the rain has been a, a wonderful gift. You know, there's always with an unexpected weather event like this, there is there's pros and cons, and so one of the uh, one of the downsides is the is the impact on the outside stacked. For the majority of growers, that's a relatively small percentage of their overall production and their overall on farm output. But it's still it's still be it's still be a substantial loss for some. The nice thing about being an American that hasn't lived and breathed the Australian hay industry is I get to ask stupid questions. We're talking about a shift to La Nina. That generally and I mean generally, means wetter conditions in Australia. Is that correct? Yeah, as a, as a generalisation, um, most, most Australians would understand that as, as a potential shift to, to, to wetter conditions, yes. Gotcha. That changes the nature of the hay market too, right? Yep, that that's that creates some uh, that creates some interest. I generally say that the Bureau of Meteorology is probably reasonably good at telling us what's going on now. So they were reasonably good at telling us that there was an El Nino because um, if you look at the charts, there you know large parts of Australia did have a very dry 2023, and they're telling us now that there may be a shift to a La Nina. Well, I mean, you could sort of look out the window and see all the green grass and, you know, the water flowing down the road to tell you that, yeah, we're, it's pretty wet. So so what, whether they're good at telling us what's going to happen in the future is still under strong debate. So <laughs> let's let's not really go there, but let's talk about what, yeah, what, what the impact could be. So my question is, in the States, in the US, when it's wetter, we keep cattle out on pasture longer to add weight in the pasture so they're not going to the feedlots as freak, uh, as early. And they tend to go into the feedlots a little heavier when we have those favorable grass conditions because it's cheaper to have calves out on pasture than it is to put them into a feedlot. Is that the are we talking about the same kind of expectations? Um, yeah, for the majority of our industry and certainly for the majority of our land area, a La Nina definitely creates very favorable pasture growing conditions. For the more intensive uh, sectors, particularly uh, you know intensive uh, beef where there's you know particularly an intensive beef grazing situation you know for example down through the New England down through southern New South Wales northern Victoria you know where they you know it's an intensive beef uh, grazing properties and intensive dairy grazing situations and even the TMR barn style dairies that are emerging quite rapidly around Australia. Um, they do have some special uh, requirements during it during a La Nina event. If we look back to, I've been in the game for a while now. So if you look back to the 2010 2011 event, you look back to this. We had a brief La Nina type event in 2016. Uh, you look back to the 2020 21 22 event, which was quite a significant event, particularly in 2022. Um, you see some really significant challenges there around farm access, the ability to get to haystacks, the ability to get to hay sheds, the ability to deliver hay into farms. You know, if you go back to that Lismore uh, event where there was very significant flooding in and around the Lismore area uh, and, and along the New South Wales coast, um, very, very difficult for, for truck access. I mean, we did it in the majority of cases, but it's, you know, it's difficult. You're dropping hay off at showgrounds. It has to be ferried in on small trucks and so yeah there's some really there's some really challenging events if we go into a 
a full-scale La Nina, uh, there's some uh, really challenging events around farm access. We do find during those periods that demand actually picks up because, you know, particularly the dairy and intensive guys, they need to get their cattle off off the wet country because the country gets so wet. So they're trying to get they're trying to get the cattle off the wet country and, and they're feeding them, or the grass is just so so much moisture and so mushy that the grass doesn't have the nutrients in it. So you end up seeing a lift in demand for hay during those La Nina events that that has come as surprise to me um, over over the years. Um, I think that's, so. that's a great point that I would not have expected. We have so many tens and I'm sure thousands, uh, tens of thousands of miles of waterways that carry all of our water away. Australia's flat and that makes that was one of my big takeaways. Australia's flat and I know that flooding events can be quite damaging. Yeah, so a well-known guy, Charlie Williams, uh, who ran a big business in Northern Victoria, a big hay business in Northern Victoria for a long time, which was uh, known as Jen Harwell Bailing, uh, he said to me when I was just getting going, Tim, you'll see a big demand for hay during a really wet year. And it took us a long time to see a really wet year, but we eventually saw one, 2010, 2011, was our first big wet year um, when we were in business. And yeah, demand for hay lifted. And during that year, it's all about access. So the key message to any growers listening is if you can improve your access, um, you know, you've got massive investments in sheds, you've got massive investment in trucks and balers and everything else. If you can find it within the budget to improve access, it can result in a market advantage during a during a really wet uh, if if we go into a really wet, or not if, when we go into a really, really wet period. What I just heard you say, the difference between moving hay and not moving hay might be the gravel between the road and the shed. Yeah, the, a gravel, it could be the gravel and some culverts between the uh, between the shed. And, and obviously having a shed where, you know, during those really wet periods, hay stacked outside, farmer to farmer trade, um, over the fence trade, uh, selling selling to neighbours and so forth, no problems, but probably not Feed Central's core business, selling outside stacked hay. Um, uh, so, yeah, shed, number one, access, number two. I think those are some good takeaways. Yeah, yeah. And same on the same on the customer's side, actually, because, you know, like... Oh, um, receiving, Actually, of uh, uh, receiving hay. You know, if we've got hay on a truck during a really wet period, and this happened numerous times in 2022, you've got hay on a truck... And it's heading in a direction and one customer can't take it and you ring up and order a load of hay, if you've got access, you could get it delivered that day or the next day simply because somebody else is unable to receive it because they had five inches of rain overnight. Um, So, you know, just – and I'm using a bit of an extreme example – but, you know, like from a customer's perspective as well, if, you, if you're, you know, investing hundreds of thousands of dollars a year into your property, as many, many people do, and into their business, then, then a portion of that budget going into farm access can really help um, ability to get hay, grain and other commodities into your farm during those wet periods. All great points. We went a little long on this episode because it's the introductory episode and we wanted to capture some of these market these these changes coming to the marketplace, right? And Tim is a fantastic person to talk about the history because he's been in this 21 years now. 
So truly one of the experts in the Australian hay industry. And the, these insights have been fantastic. I hope over time, John Paul, we can get a few other guys. There's plenty of guys that have been in it for longer than me. And it would be great if over a period of time, we can introduce a few of those other guys to this podcast because there's a wealth of experience sure. um, by you know clients and friends in the industry that, uh, that we can share. Mine's sort of the tip of the, the tip of the iceberg compared to some of the knowledge that's available around the country. Well, and that brings me to my next point. We do have more episodes in the works. Our next one is going to be with Stephen Page talking about hay quality. Kimberly Detmers is also going to join that episode, and she spends her time in the lab. Yeah, Kimberly's um, been in the business for about five years. She's risen up the ranks through the lab and is now our quality services operations manager. So she's my right hand in everything to do with quality across the business. She's really got our absolute, really strong knowledge around the feed testing, the objective measurement of, of hay that we do in the business. So she's doing some work on um, protein, energy, ADF, NDF uh, results from the 23-24 season compared to the 22 season and compared to average. And so she's just got such a great technical knowledge of, uh, of feed testing and high quality results from an objective um, scientific basis. So she'll have a lot of value to add to that uh, next podcast. So I'm going to give you a teaser and something to look forward to uh, after you get done listening to this episode. Yeah, well, Steve's been in our business for about 10 years. Um, many of our growers will know him. He, he travels across the country visiting growers most of the time. So yeah, if anyone knows about, and he looks at and he inspects you know, thousands and thousands of tons of hay a year. So if there's anyone that knows about hay quality, um, it'll be uh, it'll be Steve. So that'll be an interesting that'll be an interesting episode. There's the how we got started, what this podcast is going to be. We gave you some information about the potential of a La Nina and what might happen in a wetter year, some things to consider, and a little teaser for the next episode. With that, I'll say Thank you, Tim, for joining us today. Your insights are wonderful. Thank you. If you want more captivating discussions on hay-related topics, of course, check out my other podcast, Hay Kings, where you can you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Stay tuned for the next episode, Hay Matters by Feed Central, where we talk to Stephen Page and Kimberly Detmers. So I, I'm looking forward to that conversation. 